It is the 200 level episode 124, Friday Night Lights. Mike Carpenter here in the new digs. New studio, Sunroom Studios at the Carpenter Residence. We moved in over the weekend and we're pretty much settled in. So I got the space where I will be recording, where I'll be watching most games. And uh, it's nice. It, it certainly beats the dark, dingy basement, which we had a lot of good times in the basement. Don't get me wrong. We had a lot of good times down there. But this is going to be a little more opened up and a little nicer to look at and nicer to live in. So that's where we'll be recording the 200 level, including this Friday when we get our postgame pods going again with Harry, Trevor, and Isaac. So we're going to have a full house on Zoom. Excited to get going with those guys. Initially on Twitter, I had said that Harry would be joining us today, but because of some things that came up for meetings and just you know trying to match up the schedule, we're just going to wait until Friday for Harry to hop on. But we're excited he'll be able to because I think as we get into Saturday games, that's not a guarantee. I think his work schedule, a lot of overnights and a lot of weekends, especially during football season out there in Bristol, Connecticut. But uh, we're excited for that because it will be, let's see, what, 9.30, 9.45 on Friday night when the fourth quarter starts. And here's hoping that it's actually a, I don't know, interesting game at that point. We've seen enough times with Illinois football that they may hang in there a bit, but then you get to the second half and things get away from them. I don't foresee that. I actually think that this is going to be a fairly odd game on Friday for a lot of reasons. One, it's the first game of the year. Two, we've seen enough of these weird games in college football this year where the road dog tends to play a lot better than the spread would indicate. Spread now is down to about 19, 19 and a half. And that is down from, what, I think uh, 23 and a half when it first came out. When that spread came out, I rushed to my betting app, which I'm not doing so hot on, but whatever. And looking, looking hard for that spread to get money on it right away. And then I remembered, in the state of Illinois, you cannot bet on Illinois college teams. Ugh. It was part of the deal when they made it legal, and I get it to an extent. I don't know how many you know loan sharks or mafioso types are going to be getting in the graces of these college athletes and having them throw games or you know skim points off the top of the margin but I understand the sentiment behind it nonetheless I would have put a lot of money behind that and even at 19 19 and a half same thing I actually think that that's a bit too large of a spread for a game where I wouldn't go so far as to say these teams are evenly matched I wouldn't say that much but I do think that the style of play that Wisconsin has lends itself more to a game that's maybe in the 13-14 point range instead of 19-20 and beyond. We're going to get into the game. We're going to get into the season and also the five-year stretch. We're in year five of Lovey Smith, and I don't know if it feels like longer than that or shorter than that. You know, my inclination is that it's hard to believe it's been five years because I remember very vividly when they hired him and the expectations that came with it. And maybe unfair to a certain extent, but I think we would all agree that we moved that bar further and further, and we lowered those expectations, even if just a little bit. We lowered them from what we had when he was first hired. All that said, though, it is an opportunity in year five where he finally has the roster that he continues to heap praise on. He feels really good about this roster, and for good reason. There are, there are a lot of talented guys on it and some NFL prospects that you could not say the same for years one, two, and three. But long term, where is this program going? And you know me. I'm the macro guy. Absolutely. That's kind of been my thing for a long time. And that is my larger concern is where do things go long term, though that is sort of tempered by the fact that I'm just ready for football. And in this year of all years, 2020, we deserve to be excited about an eight, nine game season. We deserve to have this excitement. And hopefully Illinois actually pans out on the field to an extent where 
come December 15th or whenever the season ends, we feel good about what we saw. There is a path to that. There is a path to that for this team with this schedule on the uh, right side of the Big Ten alignment, being in the Big Ten West where you got more winnable games or, more to the point, you have less short losses in the guise of Ohio State and Penn State. Yeah, I know you get the Buckeyes on this schedule, but overall the Big Ten West is where you want to be if you're a team like Illinois. All right, so we got a lot to get to, of course. But before we do, a reminder that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Dough. Now, get this. we got a really cool special going on at DP Dough. If you want a fresh-baked calzone for 5 bucks, and if you've had DP Dough, you know that's a deal. If you've never had DP Dough, let me tell you, a $5 calzone is a ridiculous deal. For a limited time, when you order for pickup at dpdough.com, enter coupon code MIKE. I get a coupon code. Coupon code Mike at dpdo.com, $5 calzone. Now, this excludes premium and construction zones. That'll still be an extra buck, but six bucks for those. You should see how loaded those calzones are, but $5 calzones at dpdo.com with coupon code Mike. They will deliver it. So, how about you try this on Friday night? You got a game at seven o'clock. You order DP Doe online, and they will deliver to your doorstep right in time for the Illinois Wisconsin game. DPDoe.com. Also, Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level or the 200 level for 10% off your order. They got some great new swag, including a crew neck navy sweatshirt with the script Illinois font that you saw on last year's retro basketball jerseys. I'm going to be ordering that. Also, Fourth uh, and Kirby's giving me a great hookup on some images for the new studio, and uh, that's Will and all the guys over there being so kind from the outset. Really, they've been with us from the beginning on the 200 level. Not only that, they have a poster now. So go to FourthandKirby.com. You can get swag, and you can get stuff for your wall. Awesome poster with their signature vintage-inspired Illini look. So fourthandkirby.com, coupon code 200LEVEL or the 200LEVEL, fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Brian made the moving process super easy. We got our homeowners and auto insurance through Brian's office, and he made the process seamless. We trusted him beforehand anyways. We've known Brian for a while, but working with him directly, it was everything that I anticipated it would be and more. So I cannot give enough um, of the Carpenter stamp of approval um, than I could for Brian and the staff over there at Brian Hansen State Farm Agency online at an easy-to-remember domain name, brianismyguy.com. That's brianismyguy.com. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. I'd say the relaunch, but we're coming up on 100 episodes since we started the relaunch of the 200 level. It was episode 36 last August when we got ready for Lovey's fourth year, and here we are, episode 124. When we started, it was going to be just a weekly podcast, and it has sort of transformed into pretty much twice a week. And as we get going and basketball season converges with football, there will be some weeks where there are three podcast episodes. Four? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But there will be weeks where we are very, very busy and I'm ready for it. One more thing, ratings and reviews, that helps us out big time on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to get the search engine optimization. That's SEO for all you tech people out there. We're trying to get that better so whenever people type in Illinois or Illini, Illini basketball, that sort of thing, that we show up at the top. And for the most part, we are. We are. Uh, that builds the audience. But one extra way to do that is to get ratings and reviews. So if you got Apple Podcasts, if that's your primary mode of listening, then that is an easy click. Five stars if you want, one star if you want. If you really hate the show, then let us know. We got a few of those. We got either one or two stars. Maybe, I think someone gave me a three-star review after I had requested one in October. I said, you know, Harry, why are there ever 
Why are there never, I should say, three-star reviews? It's only one or the other. And then the very next day, we got a three-star. So, hey, you decide. It's your rating. It's your review. But it does help us in the search engines over at Apple Podcasts. I don't know if Spotify or Stitcher or any of those others have rating and review systems, but for Apple Podcasts, and that's where the bulk of our listeners come from, actually. I think about 45% get it through Apple Podcasts. You may occasionally hear Rosie as she is on the futon with me playing with a dryer ball and occasionally grunting. So she may make an appearance today and actually throughout the new episodes of the 200 level in the studio because, again, not in the basement. We're in the main level of the house, but I love it. I'm really excited to get going with this football season. Um, I, one more thing. I need to give a quick shout-out to Brian. Brian sent an email to me over the weekend. It took me a few days to get back to him because of moving and everything like that. But uh, a fellow educator, a coach, and a listener of the podcast, and it is super cool to hear personally from people. I, maybe once a month or something like that, it'll be a Facebook message or an email or a Twitter DM. And you know those little individual touches mean a lot because it's tricky behind a microphone whether it's the radio or whether it's this podcast here you start talking and you don't really visualize the people that are listening so you may be hearing this as you're doing yard work and you got your earbuds in you may be listening to this as you're driving to work this is your morning commute thing and you consume it over a few days i'm not sure because everyone's listening habits are different but i know for me the podcast i listen to i look forward to them and it is part of my day and part of my routine and you do feel like you get to know the people behind the microphone i don't feel unfortunately you know coming from this side of the microphone it's hard to get to know the people on the other side so when i do hear from people it is very meaningful and to hear from brian a fellow educator and someone that listens to the podcast regularly means a lot so brian just want to give you a shout out and for uh, everyone else that's reached out, and that could even just be quick little Twitter comments, it's just a reminder like, oh yeah, okay, someone out there actually listens. I know that they do, but when you just see it in terms of numbers, there's not that uh, personal connection, right? So when you actually get a message, it's like, oh yeah, right, okay, cool. We, we are a part of someone's day. And I know that we talked about this back in 93.5, and I think part of the appeal of getting into radio in the first place was this idea that it is a very kind of habit-based um, thing where, you know, whatever radio show you listen to in the morning or afternoon commute, that is part of your day, and you uh, let those people into your lives. So however you're consuming this podcast, thank you for doing so, and we got a lot of fun stuff coming up, beginning with Friday. So let's talk about Illinois-Wisconsin in a game where I think, do I predict a win? No, I don't. I'll start with that. You know, none of this whole waiting until the end of the podcast to give you a prediction. I was on Jeremy's podcast on Monday, and actually I was also on Ian Gold's House Edge podcast yesterday, which uh, we retweeted that on the 200 level in my personal uh, Fanboy Carp account. Check it out. It's a really good podcast. We'll get Ian on here as well. But in both of those, I gave my prediction, and it turns out Jeremy and I are on the same level here, 34-24. And I don't know why that score came to mind. There's certain scores that you tend to see more often than not in college football, and it seemed like an easy pick. You know, I think this offense can get three touchdowns and a field goal. I also think that this defense is going to be giving up their fair share of points to Wisconsin. First game of the year aside, you know, all the weird things that could happen in this first game with no fans in Camp Randall, and I think that is a factor. And yet, at the end of the day, for everything that happened last year, for this being Lovey's best roster, it doesn't feel like you're at that level yet. Actually, I shouldn't even say it doesn't feel like. You just aren't. You know, Wisconsin is a program with a lot more pedigree than you have. So a lot of things still need to go right for Illinois to get a road win, even if it isn't in front of 90,000 fans at Camp Randall on a Friday night, no less. 
3424 is the prediction I made, and it seems reasonable. And it also seems like a result that if that were the final score, you'd be disappointed. Because I think when the game starts on Friday, you're going to pivot from, oh, well, uh, I hope we win to, "Ah, I hope we just keep it close. No, when the game starts, if you got a team that's even halfway decent, you want to win. And anything short of that is going to be disappointing. There have been very few, if any, moral victories that I felt as an Illini fan, right? And one of them, I guess, would have been the Iowa game last year. But that didn't amount to anything. They got the doors blown off the next week against Northwestern. So that moral victory, it doesn't do you a whole lot. And in year five, I don't know how much it should do for you. Not to say that the expectation in year five for any Illini coach should be, well, you need to go on the road and win at Wisconsin. No, that's not it. In this case, eye test might matter. You know, the margin I mentioned, 34 to 24, 10 point spread, even if it got to 13 or something, I could foresee different eye tests where we walk away feeling okay. I guess that is somewhat of a moral victory. And you look at the remaining schedule and think, well, you played your second toughest team right out of the gate. And it's like putting a donut on a baseball bat in the batter's box. And then you take the donut off and all of a sudden that bat swings a lot easier. While with Purdue coming up, Minnesota, as good as they are, you do get them at home. So that is a benefit. But yes, the schedule eases up because Wisconsin is probably still the best team in the Big Ten West. But there's that other part where you get these jitters before the opening of a season where you have the what if, what if best case scenario. And what if on a Friday night, everything happens to go right for this Illinois team It turns into a really weird kind of game, which we've seen plenty of those in college football. And your offense, with all the experience that it has, and playmakers at every level, they turn this into a bit of a shootout. I would not foresee a game where you win without scoring a lot of points. Okay, I think we can say that with some certainty, that even with a sophomore quarterback for Wisconsin, and even without Jonathan Taylor, they're going to get theirs. And you really are not asking the defense to hold them to you know 300 yards. You're asking them to just keep them from scoring 49 points, keep them within striking distance. And I think you could do that for how long, I'm not sure. But yeah, what if, right? What if on a Friday night when you're the only show in town, at least the only show that most college football fans will be watching, it's a unique opportunity. And it's interesting that the Big Ten chose this game to be the kickoff. Because more eyes will be on that Friday night game than some of those in the Saturday 11 a.m. lineup or the Saturday 2.30 lineup. You will get a lot of exposure for these two teams. Maybe in the Big Ten's eyes, that's a way to get Wisconsin out of the gate as a football playoff contender. I don't know how realistic that is, but you know, in an 8-9 game schedule, maybe they could be. But the other side of it may be that the league office knows that Illinois isn't bad, and it could be an interesting game. And you have the narrative of, Revenge game for Wisconsin after last year's once-in-a-lifetime upset. I think the biggest upset in Big Ten history, at least the biggest upset in Illinois history. All these factors are at play, where it makes for some easy fodder for even national commentators that don't know the nuts and bolts of each of these teams. Everything about Wisconsin, right? Everything that I look at, and I'm sitting here four-hour drive from Madison, all I know is that they're going to be good. I don't know the names on the jerseys. I don't know the guys under those helmets, right? I just know they're going to be good. And that's just because the last 20 years have taught us that. And that they're going to be good at a specific thing. Mistake-free football, and they're going to run it well. And now you got this Mertz factor, which in a weird way, I would rather have Cone under center for Wisconsin because you knew what he was. And he's not as mobile, much more of a pro-style quarterback. There's this unknown factor with Mertz where I feel like, oh God, is he going to be the next guy? Whether it be, uh, <laughs> who was the guy for Connecticut last year? 
He was the second or third string quarterback, and he had a field day against this Illinois defense. Who's going to be the next no-name, so to speak? And that's unfair for Mertz. He was, a, I think, a highly re- regarded recruit. But who's going to be the next quarterback that has yet to play to come out there for the first time and smoke the Illinois defense? It could be Mertz, right? It could be. But on the other side, you have an offense at Illinois with Brandon Peters, second year in the system, a tight end group that I, I really look towards the tight ends. And I shouldn't do this as an Illini fan. We've been burned before when they've had good tight ends but didn't utilize them. But Daniel Barker, Daniel Amaterbebe, oh, and yeah, Luke Ford. Tight ends are often a safety valve where in these third and short situations, they can go in the middle of the field and get you that catch if you don't have what's say, a great slot receiver. But you might actually, uh, whether that be Navarro at slot or maybe Trayvon Sidney, who was injured most of last year, and Josh Matterbaby on the outside making big plays. Running back, which Jeremy, I know, was high on, along with the coaching staff, very high on with Chase Brown and Epstein. So you got all these pieces in an offensive line that you feel good about. Why can't this offense come out of the gates and put up 31, 34 points at Wisconsin? It's not outside the realm of possibility. But I think what's holding me back from that is the inconsistency with Rod Smith's offense. We've seen good, and we've seen bad. And if you were to count up all the quarters last year for that Illinois offense, unfortunately, there were more bad quarters than good ones. But when it was good, it was very good. And I think we would all admit that they were limited in terms of skill position players and uh, maybe hampered by, I don't know, Brandon Peters' first year in the system. Also, though, and this is the big thing for Brandon this year, back to consistency, how many third down throws did he sail over a guy's head or throw at their feet? Enough of them to make you not 100% comfortable that Brandon Peters would get the job done consistently. That needs to change this year, and it could, right? Everything coming out of camp from the coaches, from the players, they are high on themselves, and that's what you want. You don't want them to play an underdog role. You want them to play more of a it-is-our-time kind of role, and that's what they seem to be doing. And in addition to that, they also seem to be very – uh pissed off about this spread that came out of Vegas. When I was on Ian's podcast yesterday, House Edge podcast, again, it's on the uh, both Twitter timelines, we were talking about that spread and how they are using it for bulletin board material. And not every coach does that. You know, some coaches will say, well, we don't really care what other people say. We don't, we don't listen to outside noise. No, they are embracing it. And I think they should. That is an eight point difference from the spread last year. It was a 31 point spread when Wisconsin came to Champaign. 23 and a half to start down about 20. But even at that margin, that is a lot of disrespect for the first game of the year in which you have a roster that improved. I think we would all agree on that. A roster that improved from the year before. And Wisconsin, can you argue that they improved with the losses that they've had to key positions? That alone, transitive property stuff, would make you think, well, wait a second, this is more of like a a 14, 13, 14 point spread, not 23 and a half. But that's what it is. And that's the perception of Illinois. And even after making a bowl game, it seems like in that locker room, they are saying, wait, we deserve respect. Okay, great. Well, they have an opportunity to go out and earn that in game one and make a statement. So it is a nice position to be in where there's not a lot to lose for Illinois, certainly more to lose for Wisconsin because they do have an outside shot, I guess you could say, at a football playoff spot. There is less to lose for this Illinois team and everything to gain. Everything to gain, where if they won this on a Friday night, they get all of Saturday. Just imagine waking up on Saturday morning following an Illinois win, and you are the talk of college game day. What an upset in the Big Ten last night to kick off the Big Ten's delayed season. That would be potentially the first story on the broadcast. I, I, I don't think that's hyperbole. I think that would probably be the top story. Illinois goes into Camp Randall on a Friday night to open the Big Ten season with a big upset. 
And then you could hopefully parlay that into a, what, five and four year? I guess if you beat Wisconsin, you can go crazy and you could say six and three, maybe. But regardless of that, you would get the much needed boost at the very beginning of the year. If you look at last year in the four-game winning streak, I wish it would have parlayed into more success in terms of four-year high school recruits. It didn't. I, I don't know why it didn't. I don't know why the high school recruiting has been such an issue for Levy and this staff. But maybe it was because it came later in the season. Maybe it was because by that point, a lot of these recruits may have made up their minds. I would hope that an, a season opening win like this would move the needle probably more than anything that happened last year, because it would maybe announce that, you know, last year, it wasn't a fluke against Wisconsin. Making a bowl game last year, that wasn't a fluke. I think it would announce that Levy has figured out, to some extent, how you could sustain success at Illinois. Winning against Wisconsin would also set it up where you could afford a loss that uh, maybe you shouldn't. A toss-up game that you're looking at right now on the schedule and thinking, we gotta beat Purdue. Well, if you beat Wisconsin, maybe you don't have to, you can still get to the four or five wins even without it. Or a game like, let's say, at Nebraska, which I think a lot of people, rightfully so, are circling as one of those, you know, if you're going to have a good year, you probably got to finally win that game. You beat Wisconsin, maybe you don't. In this shorter season, the benefits of that are everyone's kind of starting from the same point. This this haphazard preseason where we got the opening Opening schedule on what, August 5th, I think, because I did a podcast August 6th, Thursday Night Lights, and we got Friday Night Lights coming up here, and then it was, what, delayed four or five days later. You've had this start and stop training camp, are we, aren't we, going on the entire time. Living here in Champaign and having a bit of a finger on the pulse with what's been going on over there at the football center and with this athletic program, it feels as if this DIA kept things as consistent as possible. And that if you look at other athletic programs and times that they've had to shut things down, it hasn't really happened here yet. That's a credit to the university for the rapid testing. It's also a credit to the DIA for actually implementing that successfully for all their programs. So because of that, for this football team, yeah, of course there's been inconsistency with training camp. Will we? Won't we? Okay, I guess we are playing a season. That start-stop thing is going to be a hindrance to any team. But for this Illinois team, I do wonder if they have an advantage over a Wisconsin that has had far more significant outbreaks or an Iowa that has had to shut down their uh, athletic facilities before. That is an advantage, especially in week one. So will that pay dividends? I would hope so. And whether that means it equates to a win or a close loss, moral victory, whatever you want to call it, uh, we'll see Friday night. But I do think 34-24, that's the number I keep coming back to. And that could be a late score for Wisconsin to put it away. I would much prefer that that's a late score for Wisconsin to finish at 34-24 than a garbage touchdown from a 34-17 deficit. That would not do a whole lot. In terms of confidence, in terms of, well, this Illinois team might have turned a corner or that year five is it for Lovey and these guys, that would leave a lot more questions than answers. And I think this year, just like last year, that's what we want. We want answers. We want resolution. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get that. And there are a lot of factors why. A big one, of course, is COVID-19. The financial considerations here. Let's just get this straight right now. Even if they went two and six or worse in those eight games, let's say they finished three and six after the ninth game. Even with that, you were not getting rid of Lovey Smith. Not in this climate. Not where you're trying to save your non-revenue sports, where you're trying to keep people on the payroll. That's not a move that this program or similarly sized athletic departments are going to make. It's understandable. 
so you are stuck. If you want to look at it, you know, skeptically or cynically, you are stuck with Lovey Smith. And that is a really tough position for someone like me to be in because I have all these questions about the long-term sustainability. And that is Lovey going to leave this program in a place where someone could come in and not have to do their own rebuild. In the discussion yesterday with Ian on that House Edge podcast, it, it kind of occurred to me that the biggest concern with Lovey is that the template is based on transfers. And they, that may work, actually. Now, the NCAA, I think in January, they're going to vote on whether college athletes can transfer one time, no penalty, and be eligible right away. And it will likely pass. That seems to be the movement going um, in that direction for all sports. It would help Lovey. It would help Brad Underwood. It would help a lot of programs. But Lovey has sort of established himself as what, Bill Snyder East? I mean, he's turning this into, or hopefully so, a Kansas State-like program where he, for the most part, he gets a few four-year guys out of high school. But his bread and butter is getting impact guys through the transfer market. That means uh, less continuity, less consistency. But it also means that you can get some college football-ready guys on your roster each and every year. But if it doesn't work, it does make it that much more difficult then for the next guy to come in and say, well, the good thing is we already got inroads to Chicago. We got inroads to you know pipelines here. We got pipelines there. Well, first off, starting with the in-state recruiting, you lost another guy in your own backyard to Rutgers. You are not getting any kids from Chicago. They're going to Minnesota now. Wisconsin, Iowa, they already were. Notre Dame, I guess, for the really good ones. But Minnesota, they took that pipeline. P.J. Fleck had that going a long time ago. That was a pipeline he established at Western Michigan, and it has continued and even grown now that he's at Minnesota. So you don't have these inroads. We're in year five, and we do not have inroads in terms of high school recruiting. So if we want to talk about long-term success, well, we know it's not going to be built on that. So that's where it's this weird conundrum where you want the short-term success because, well, that's all you got right now. This is what we need in 2020. We need Illinois football to not suck. We need them to win five games and make us feel like this might actually be trending in the right direction. But the scary thing is if it does not, if it treads water or if it gets worse, right? If they finish, let's say three and six or God forbid two and seven, I don't foresee that. (laughs) But three and six is possible because there's not a lot of games you circle and say, well, we're definitely going to win that. If that happens, then you're left asking, well, what is this program going to be when he leaves? What kind of shape is it going to be in? Essentially, you'd be bringing in somebody else that I guess they continue the, could continue this transfer market thing if they wanted to, but there aren't those inroads, those pipelines, those relationships that will be pre-built for whoever the next guy is. And no offense to the staff, but I'm looking around and I'm not really finding the coach in waiting on this staff. It ain't. I mean, I remember you know at the start of the Lovey era, where you had Garrick McGee and Hardy Nickerson. And to me and other people, I know that it was floated around that, well, Lovey will do this for five, six years. And Garrick McGee, who's an up-and-coming star in the coaching profession, don't laugh. That was a thought back then. He's the coach in waiting. You know, This is the guy, after all, that got Lamar Jackson. Of course, that didn't really come to fruition. But yeah, this is sort of a, it must work with this. And if it doesn't, what then? I know Lon and I used to have conversations on the air that he said, you know, if Lovey doesn't work here, then it just probably isn't going to work at Illinois. And I get where he's coming from because you threw the kitchen sink at him. You made the big hire. We tried something that we have not done before, which is actually going out there and spending big boy money on a coach. And if it doesn't work, then, well, just go back to the drawing board or just say, screw it. It's never going to work here at Illinois. But I think that takes away some accountability for Lovey and how he has built this program. It is year five, and you look at the roster, and there is talent, and there is enough to win. And that is credit to him. 
but did it need to be year five? And did it need to have this many detours from the initial plan? If you think about all the staff upheaval and the lack of high school recruiting success, the best class that he brought in was still the first one. The first one with like a Bennett Williams, which now he's at Oregon, I think finishing up his career. And what was it? Lou Dorsey, a tight end. Other guys in that class, some of which stayed, but unfortunately about like, you know, 30, 40%, which did not. And that was the best class. And you've kind of picked this guy here and there, and you get the Josh Matter Bebe's, which is great. You get the Luke Fords out of Georgia. That's tremendous. But you would wish that that would be supplemental because that is what you're sort of basing your success on, though. If it doesn't work, then what? Now, this year, because you weren't getting rid of Lovey regardless, of course I'm rooting for them. And I'd be, I'd be rooting for them anyways. If you were to ask me, to be honest with you, have I rooted against Illinois? Have I been watching games and rooted against them? In the darkest of moments, yeah, I probably have. What I mean by that is this. Let's say at the end of the John Gross era, when I just wanted resolution. Are you going to stay or are you going to go? There were a couple games there in, let's say, early February where I thought, you know, just, just lose by 30 and let's get this over with because anything other than that means we're teetering in this purgatory. I don't want to be in purgatory. Well, John Gross took care of that losing to Rutgers the last game of the year when all they had to do was win and they would have punched their ticket to the tournament. So he did that himself. But, but by the end of it, when they started to ride that wave back up and they beat Michigan State at home, I said, oh, what the hell? I, I know against my better judgment, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'll root for them as hard as I ever have because maybe it'll work. You know, there's always that tinge. Maybe it'll work when all the proof says otherwise. When you look at, I guess, the Tim Beckman era, when they win the last two games or the last three games, what was it? Uh, four and six going into the Penn State game. Okay, so they beat Penn State Northwestern to make the bowl game. And they beat Northwestern, and I'm happy, but I also think the next day, oh, wait a second. I rooted for something, and now it happened, and now does this mean we're going to be stuck in purgatory? And we kind of were, right? When you have the Cubit year, and then you get Lovey, and this whole process just takes forever. This has been a, a, a bad decade. Let's call it what it is. I mean, the 2010s for Illinois football, you did start off with two bowl games with Ron Zook, but... Um, those seasons, those teams probably should have been better, and it really just spelled the end of the Ron Zook era. You put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound with Vic Koenig and, what was it, Paul, oh my gosh, Paul, what was his name? Why am I not remembering? Petrino, sorry. I don't know why that took me so long to remember his last name. Band-Aid on a gaping wound, it didn't work. Then the Tim Beckman era, we don't need to rehash that. But at the end of it, and then into the Cuba thing, purgatory. That's the word I keep going back to where you're wondering, well, what's the plan What's the plan? And with Lovey, I understand what the plan is now, but it does feel as if that plan was plan C, D, E, F. I don't know when it came into play, but it probably came into play when the high school recruiting just never took off and Lovey said, screw it. I'm not going to waste that much energy on it when I could go out there and poach these guys from the transfer market. If it works, it works. But if it only kind of works or it doesn't work all that well, and you don't have the financial considerations to make that move and make that change, purgatory. It's 2020. You don't, you don't need a reminder of that, but it's the start of a new decade. So because of that, and knowing what the 2010s were, why not just surprise me and go 6-3 and three and beat Wisconsin on Friday night and hang in there with Ohio State at home on Thanksgiving weekend? Uh, I say at home like it matters, like we're going to be tailgating there, actually going into the stadium, but... You know, surprise me. Make this a season where it's not just by the books and ho-hum. Oh, you went four and four in the first eight games and you played Indiana in the ninth game. Maybe you won, maybe you didn't. 
and I think we would all look at that and say that's probably on the right track. I think three and five stolen play, but no, no, no. Go the other way. Surprise me. Go six and three. Play Michigan. Two third place teams playing each other on December, whatever that would be, third week of December for that ninth game. You know how exciting that would be? To finish, you know, five and three in the first eight, and then you get a matchup against Michigan for that ninth wild card game. That would feel like a successful season. That would feel like, well, wait a second, this might actually work. Things have stabilized in their own sort of backwards way. Things have stabilized for Lovey, and this may work. The transfer thing may work. That's what I hope for, right? That's the short-term, long-term conundrum here. You think about the first four years under Lovey. We don't need to rehash too much. Year one, the peak was Keyshawn Vaughn's run against North Carolina. That was the peak, and then it all kind of fell apart from there. Year two was the worst because he didn't have a quarterback. He didn't. Year three, you had A.J. Bush, and what was it, four and eight? So your offense had little moments. You had the Minnesota win at home, and you thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe. Last year, you start two and four, but then you had the four-game win streak. But as fun as that four-game win streak was, the other two months of the year had more frustrations than triumphs. So it was like one good month, one really happy month, and then another two months where it was just like, ah, crap, this ain't going to work. Well, how about we get a full two months here? We got a two-month blitz, nine games, where you can feel really good about it, or you can feel really bad, or I think the biggest concern, more than any of that, I talk about purgatory, is feeling, eh, whatever. And we felt that a lot recently. We've had a lot of moments where it's just, eh, I guess that was okay, but not good enough. And I want more than that. You know, I'm, I'm getting greedy. In this Big Ten West, with the way Nebraska is just kind of sitting there, not really doing what we thought Frost would do. Not saying he can't. Not saying he can't turn that around. When you know Northwestern, as much as they've kicked your butt recently, no doubt, and as good of a program Fitzgerald's built up there, you know that talent-wise, they are not head and shoulders above you. At least they shouldn't be. You feel like Wisconsin, you know, you kind of know what they are. And if that's the best that you're going to get in your division, you got a, a puncher's chance here, right? Iowa, again, like Wisconsin light. Minnesota's the scary one because it does feel like P.J. Flag. If he stays there, if he wanted to stay there and turn that into maybe not a powerhouse, but the next Wisconsin where year in, year out, you're looking out for P.J. Flex guys. I don't think he's a fluke anymore. I thought he was kind of a fluke. I thought he was a novelty. I thought it would wear thin. But you know what? When you're talking about recruiting 17 and 18-year-olds, they love that energy. I don't think that's going to go away. And you don't see any mass exodus of players. There's no inkling out of there that the players don't like P.J. Fleck. They probably love the guy. And they're going to keep going there, including guys out of Chicago. Minnesota, that's the scary one, right? So right there off the top, there are three teams that year in, year out, it's like, well, we got to get over that hump, and that's tough. Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. But Northwestern, come on. Come on, you got to be better than Northwestern. As good as Pat Fitzgerald's been. Nebraska, you had a great opportunity here with Scott Frost and all the weirdness of that program and their fans, just a weird thing over there. And then Purdue, maybe they will, maybe they won't under Brom. We've seen flashes, but it's still Purdue, right? Even Joe Tiller, that was fleeting success over there. So all that in mind, you're in the right division. You are not handicapped by Ohio State and Penn State and, yes, still Michigan. You are not handicapped by having those three teams to play every year where you essentially go into it thinking, well, we need to go 6-3 and three in the other nine games if we're going to make a bowl game. Now, you get the benefit of a division where each game is winnable in its own way and some certainly less winnable than others. But at the very least, you are not walking into any of these things. That's a surefire loss as long as you build the program up to a certain level. So are we going to get really many answers this year? I don't know. 
I don't know how many answers we're going to get. I don't know if we're going to get any long-term answers. This is such a weird shortened year anyways with eight, nine games. A bowl game maybe, depending on how many bowl games actually get played. And it doesn't even matter what record you have. I think that's thrown out the window. So you could be a three and five team and still make a bowl game if it matters, right? I don't even know if it does. But as the season progresses, and we're going to get a game every week, so it's going to be this blitz through mid-December, um, it really just comes down to the feeling that we have at the end of it. And I know that's kind of a vague thought, right? Well, how are we going to feel at the end of it? And I think we've been either indifferent or apathetic for the last 10 years. I mean, think back to 2010, 2011. I think there was some excitement after 2010 beating Baylor in that bowl game. But then in 2011, that was fleeting after you started 6-0 and and then you finished 6-7. and Or, I'm sorry, 6-6, six and six, and then you did win the bowl game. Craft Fight Hunger Bowl, you did win that, so that's two seven and six teams. But for the most part, indifference and then apathy when you got Beckman in here. And then, unfortunately, apathy for the first three years of Lovey, and then indifference, I think, for a lot after the end of last year, the way that it ended with three straight losses. You know, six and four, well, then all of a sudden, eight and four feels amazing. Seven and five feels pretty good because that's a winning record. And it may seem arbitrary, but I do remember back in the day, I'd look through these media guides and look in the 80s specifically at Mike White and then especially John Makovic. And it was the John Makovic era, those four years where I looked at winning records every year, maybe one six and six. I can't recall exactly right now. And thinking, you know, I know that he didn't have the same excitement as, say, Mike White, but give me that. And I'll make my own excitement. And the lots, I'll, I'll get excited, even if John Makovic may not have been the most charismatic guy. Just give me that consistent winning season. And he was able to do that. Really, the only guy that was able to do that, Mike White, that was fleeting. There was, of course, the Rose Bowl appearance and a few good seasons after that, but you know, it was not sustainable. Back to the transfer thing. I know it's apples and oranges a little bit, but he was going the Juco transfer route, kind of a Band-Aid that worked when worked splendidly for a bit. And then we see this with Lovey going the transfer route. I don't want to say all too often. Again, if it works, it isn't too often. If it works, it's often enough. But that's just it, where you would get into the late 80s, early 90s, before Lou Tepper took over, and the feeling was probably not indifference. I don't recall, unfortunately. You know, I, I remember the first games I went to were, uh, let's see, the Minnesota snow game with Ty Douthard. And we did go to the Penn State game where Illinois took a lead, and you could feel that electricity. But for the most part, football did not become a regular thing that my dad and I went to until 2000, after the Micron PC game. And that 2000 season, you know, they finished five and six. It was a disappointment. But the Michigan game and the Ohio State game, both of those, you felt that excitement in the stadium. And it seemed at that moment like this was going to be sustainable. And you felt it again the next year when you went 10 and two. But in my life, if I count all, you know, I'm 34. I'm actually 34 today. It's my birthday. And if I count all the years I've been following Illinois football closely, which is now well over 20 years that I've been following it closely. Unfortunately, I can count on one hand the amount of seasons that have ended and I felt really good about. That would be Micron PC. That was really the season that got me fully into it, that season, including the win, Ohio, the win at Ohio State more than the win at Michigan because the win at Michigan in 99 felt like potentially a fluke. And then the win at Ohio State said, well, wait a second, this might actually be a good program. And then, of course, the bowl game where you went 63 to 21. 2001, that's two. 2007, obviously, Rose Bowl, and I was at, at the U of I when that was going on, so it was great to live through it. Maybe 2010, maybe, because you felt after that game against Baylor like this was going in the right direction. 
And I can't really say that for last year's team because it's still wait and see mode. I counted four. Four in 20 plus years. And we could go, we could make that 30 years and go back to the Makovic era and you might find your way to six or seven seasons since 1990 that you have felt good about when it ended. And it felt like things were trending in a way that you could do it again next year or improve upon what you did the following year. It's not a lot, you know, so that's indifference or apathy, which is the worst. And it is in that way, kind of a put up or shut up thing, but not as much as it would have been if it would have been a full 12 game season, you know? So this is a benefit again for this team, for this coaching staff. There is this nothing to lose sort of sentiment because it's not that 12 game, oh, you got to go 3-0 in the non-conference and then you got to win X amount of games in the Big Ten to make a bowl game. No, that's all kind of out the window. It's just a week-by-week proposition at this point. And you got a good enough team week-by-week to come into these games and compete and potentially win. Can't say the same for Lovey's first four teams. You can't. This team might be able to do that. And if they do, if they do, I think there will be some genuine excitement building around this community. It won't be the same, of course, because you don't have that shared... Uh, you know, communal sense that you would if you went to Esquire and watched the game Friday night and got to celebrate with all your friends, let alone going to the tailgate lots the following Saturday. Imagine if Illinois beat Wisconsin and then he could go tailgate before the Purdue game and what the sense would be in the lots. Even if it's only 45,000 people that actually go to the game, there would be actual conversation in the lots about football. That's been something that over these years with the, the great tradition that you see over there in Lot 31 and then by the baseball and softball fields, the, the tailgate scene is could be second to none. Like the, the foundation is there. The Illinois fans that are rabid fans, they go there every year, every game regardless. But you know that most of the conversations in these lots in the last 20 or 30 years have not been about the football game. And maybe that's how it should be for tailgating. But I do know that before big games at the stadium or when Illinois actually has a good team, the excitement level of being in the tailgate lots, it multiplies exponentially. Just It's crazy how much more fun it is to be there and talking with people at the lots about the game that's coming up. And how often have you went there since, what, let's say, 1990 or more recently, 2000? How many times have we went there and it's really just been about hanging out and drinking and chilling with your friends? That's great and all, but I can do that anytime. And if I really wanted to just you know, sit outside and fire up the grill, I could do that in my backyard. But what you want it to become, what you want it to become is a tradition where you're also focused specifically on the game ahead. And you know these SEC schools, of course they party, but they're also talking in these lots, in the Grove at Ole Miss, outside in those riverboats, outside of Tennessee's stadium. They're talking about the game that's coming up. And that is where Lovey does have an opportunity here. You know, in this shortened season, you have a successful year, and let's call it five and four, right? I think that we would all consider that a successful year against Big Ten only competition. And then you hopefully get to a position next year where people can go to the lots and they can go to the games. And there are actual expectations for that team. Yes, there will be, of course, losses on this roster. But with all this eligibility stuff going around with COVID nineteen, there may be guys that take that and say, Yeah, I'll go I'll go an extra year. I'm not sure if that necessarily applies to fall. That might be winter. I need to check on that. But there's going to be enough weirdness in terms of transfers and all that anyway, where if you go five and four this year, that there will be genuine excitement next year. Even if it's more like, oh, I bet we can go six and six with Isaiah Williams under center. There'll be something, right? And I want to have that feeling. I want to have that feeling that can carry over through an offseason thinking that, well, what we saw wasn't a fluke. This program has, in a sense, stabilized. And that they can do it again next year. 
often we talk about you know building a, sta- a statue for any coach that can go seven and five regularly. And you know if Lovey goes six and six, well it's not six and six. If he goes five and four this year, essentially what he will have done is had two consecutive bowl teams, and then next year you have a full twelve game schedule, and then you go seven and five. Well then now you're kind of getting into that realm of the perennial seven and five coach. And with that, you'll get the occasional upset like you did Wisconsin last year or the occasional memorable game like at Michigan State, even though that is a comeback that we probably won't see again. But you will get those moments. And sometimes, you know, maybe as an Illinois football fan, that's enough. Just knowing that you can count on at least a few moments each year and that, yeah, they'll be fine. You know, they'll make a bowl game and it won't be pretty all the time, but you'll get the moments, you'll get the bowl game, you'll get the winning record or at worst a 500 record. Maybe they aren't as far away from that as I feel like they are sometimes. Are we going to get those answers this year? I don't know. I don't know. And I I just hope that Friday night, and this is where 2020 week-to-week sort of proposition, I just hope Friday night we get to sit down, enjoy it, that there aren't any outbreaks in the Wisconsin locker room in the next two days, and that we get to then look forward to the next week, whether it's 0-1 or 1-0. We're going to feel differently depending on the result and how they look. But all those long-term concerns that I just addressed, they evaporate at 7 o'clock on Friday night. And hopefully they don't come back to um, my, the front of my mind as I'm watching that game. If they did, it'd probably be because Wisconsin's winning by you know, 21, 24 points. And, oh, God, you know, here we go again. I, I don't want that feeling. We've had that too much. We've had that way too much. Instead, I would much prefer where we watch that game and we are immersed in it for 60 minutes. At Iowa last year, it was kind of like that. I was not thinking about long-term concerns at all. In fact, the podcast we did afterwards with Harry and Trevor was all about that game and all about that team and maybe the next week against Northwestern, which at that point we basically said, oh, they're going to win. Whoops. But for this Friday, that's the hope. A win, of course, would be hope number one. If that isn't possible, just give me a game where I can watch all 60 minutes of it and be in it, be present, and not go down that rabbit hole that we as Illini fans so often have to go down. And I think it'll help having Isaac and Harry and Trevor, of course, having that conversation. Even if it gets bad, we'll just kind of make fun of it, and it'll turn into a cathartic podcast. But I would love to be able to publish on Friday night around like 1130. would love to be able to put out there a celebratory podcast. It is possible. I'd put it at like, you know, 20%, given the weirdness of college football this year. I'd put it at one in five chance. Everything goes right for Illinois. One in five chance, they win this game. And if they did. But you know what? I'm just happy football's back. I know all the concerns. We've talked about the moral and ethical concerns with COVID-19. Not so much that these college athletes are going to have too many issues because we've yet to really see that. But the more the community spread. And then, of course, some of the at-risk guys on the teams. Wisconsin, hopefully, again, they keep their ducks in a row in these last two days because that state has been a mess. <laughs> I just don't want to wake up Friday morning, oh, we got five guys positive on Wisconsin and we're going to have to postpone this thing. I, I don't want that. And the NFL, I'm even getting scared that, oh, the Bears played Carolina. Oh, good, Carolina had no positive test. Like We're watching those subplots. Even though there are far more than subplots, they can directly impact whether a game is played or not. I don't want any of that. I, I, I hope we can get through this season. And I think because of the delayed start and getting all the infrastructure in place for the 14 teams, that the Big Ten can do this and they can do it successfully. That's the hope. But more than that, I actually have confidence that Illinois, more than any of the other teams in the Big Ten, they have the infrastructure already in place to make sure that it gets done. I'm just hoping that our opponents, they do the same. 
So this is what uh, we got on Friday night. We're going to be back here. We're going to start recording in the fourth quarter. We're going to have to time up our fire sticks and all that kind of stuff. I think we're all watching it on different devices. So that will be an interesting test. We'll, we'll be through Zoom. I'll get those guys. Um, audio quality, we're going to be trying to improve that as we go along because some of them will be on cell phones. It will be listenable. I know that. I think it'll be fun for another because if it's anything like what we did last basketball season, it is it takes the edge off a little bit. I mean, we still felt nerves and anxiety and even anger during some of these games when we did that, but there is something that alleviates that pressure, so to speak, when you're sharing that moment with other people. So excited to get Trevor, Harry, and Isaac on Friday night. We're going to have fun with it. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. If you don't listen to a Friday late at night, Saturday morning, you're doing yard work, whatever it may be, however you listen to the 200 level, it will be ready to go for you. And I really hope, more than anything, that Saturday morning as you're waking up and you're reveling in that victory from the night before, that you get to listen to four dudes just go crazy as Illinois wins at Camp Randall. Could you imagine? I mean, I could. I could actually foresee that happening, and here's hoping it does. All right, before we go, a reminder. DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. If you want some good chow for this Illinois-Wisconsin game, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so you can just sit at home, crack open your first beer at 5 o'clock, get your $5 calzone. Here's what you do. Go to dpdoe.com, order your calzone, coupon code MIKE, M-I-K-E, $5 calzones. Now, it's $1 extra for premium and construction zones. Those are the ones that are super loaded. But for most calzones on that menu, $5, coupon code MIKE at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, dpdoe.com. We got another coupon code at 4th and Kirby, 200 level or the 200 level for 10% off your order. They got a brand new crew neck Illinois sweatshirt, navy with an orange Illinois script. I'm going to be getting that. I'm also probably going to order this poster that they got, their first poster. And it follows the same sort of vintage inspired look of other Fourth and Kirby products. Fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for all your insurance needs. And I can speak from experience. Karen and I can from. Um, the homeowners and auto package that we got from moving into this new house, it was so seamless. Brian's terrific. So is the staff. So brianismyguy.com. I think that's it. Illinois Inquirer, Alana Inquirer, excuse me, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. We will see you Friday night. And if you don't want to stay up too late, I mean, if it's a bad game, you might go to bed early for all I know. But at the very least, Saturday morning, you'll be able to listen to our reaction podcast, regardless of result. We're going to have fun. And I think you guys will have fun listening to it. And we will be back next week after that. We'll have a game to react to beyond the emotional post-game reaction. We'll have a midweek podcast. We'll got Mondays with Mike, with Jeremy on the Illini Inquirer podcast. And then Saturday, Halloween, an early game, 11 a.m. against Purdue. We're starting to get those game times. I don't know how much it matters that, you know, usually it'd be, oh, it's 11 a.m. That means the tailgate starts at 7.30. Okay. Well, how much does that matter now? Unless you just want to day drink at home. Hey, you do you. But until Friday... Have a good couple days here. We got football on the horizon. I'm pumped. I know you're pumped. We're going to be back and having a lot of fun on Friday night with Isaac, Trevor, and Harry for our post-game reaction podcast. Until then, we'll see you soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, go Illini, right? It is the 200 level.